0: You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc.
1: Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your goodness your mercy and your grace for us. Father, we thank you and praise you for the word of God that we can take the time tonight to study your word, to receive from it. Father, we thank you for, of course, the Lord Jesus and all that he's done for us, the price that he paid. Thank you that he shed his blood on our behalf to redeem us, to save us, deliver us. And Father, we thank you tonight for the ministry of the Holy Spirit That Jesus sent him into the earth to be our helper, our teacher, our standby. And so we believe for the Holy Spirit to minister to us tonight, to teach us your word, to cause revelation and insight to come. Father, I thank you for every person, including myself, that's on here, that we'll have ears to hear, eyes to see what you want us to, uh, what you want to reveal to us tonight. And Father, we believe to be taught. And most importantly, we believe that we will be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to take a few moments and review some of the things we've been talking about. We've been talking about how to speed up the manifestations of the answers to your prayer. Now, one of the most important things that we need to remember, and we talked about this last week, and that is this. Remember when you pray in faith in line with God's Word, God hears your prayer the moment that you pray. So if there is a delay, all right, and we'll talk more about this in just a second, but if there seems to be a delay. Know that it is not in God answering your prayer. Okay, so delays may come because of other situations, but, uh, you know, we took some time, we looked at Daniel last week and saw where Daniel prayed and fasted and God answered his prayers the moment. Okay, I don't know what that was, but <laughs> anyway, so we saw where Daniel had prayed and fasted and. The angel told him that the Lord had answered his prayers the moment that he prayed. And so it's very, very important to understand that. So when we talk about speeding up or hindering or slowing down, uh, just understand it's not on God's part. It has to do with either us or whatever we're dealing with at the time. Okay. So let me give you uh, the things that we talked about last week. Number one is this, the answer can come faster or let me, I want to be sure and understand the manifestation of the answer can come faster if the word is rooted in us. It's very, very important that we have the word of God rooted in our hearts. And the way that you get the word rooted in your hearts is number one, you feed on the scripture. And number two, you spend time meditating on the word of God and that causes it to get rooted in your heart. So John 15, 7, Jesus said this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So the key there is not only abiding in Jesus, in other words, being born again, but the, the other part of that is letting his word dwell in and abide in you. And so Colossians 3.16, we looked at that where it said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In the Greek, that means in abundance, in a great measure. So so God's desire is for his word to dwell in us in abundance and in a great measure, uh, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice the first word of that verse is let. And the, so that implies it's up to you how much Word dwells in you, okay? So you have to give permission for the Word to dwell in you. In other words, you and I have to expend some effort in order to make sure that the Word is dwelling on the inside of us. And so when we give an all-out effort to the Word, we speed up the manifestation. Why? Because our faith is growing. Our faith is becoming stronger. And as you know, um, Faith is what draws the, the the things of the spirit that we're believing God for. That's what draws it to us. And so it, it's very, very important. Number two is with consistency lies victory. It's very important that we remain consistent. We looked at several scriptures uh, that... Hebrews 6, 11 and 12 that says, uh, don't become lazy or sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And we said patience is where we remain consistent. It remains, uh, it means we remain constant throughout the whole stand of faith that we believe God and we stay the same. We're not up and down and up and down. No, we remain consistent the whole time. James taught us that, that if we will remain patient or consistent during temptations, tests, and trials, that will come out, and the, the passion said this, and then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. So that's the power of of faith and patience or consistency working together. All right, and uh, then we looked at number three, which was never underestimate the power of your praise and worship. That is one of the greatest acts of faith that you and I can do. When we pray and we believe God based upon the word and something that the word has declared is ours, the, the more you spend time in praise and worship not only about that, but just in praise and worship out of your relationship with God, uh, you're you're making tremendous power available. We looked at a couple of scriptural examples: Paul and Silas in prison, and uh, the Bible says that they prayed and sang praises, and the entire prison was shaken because of the power that was was uh, released through their praise and worship. And I'm convinced, and you can disagree with me, but. I'm convinced that that would have never happened had they not been spending time in worship and praise, thanking God for the answer. We looked at the situation with Jehoshaphat and the armies of Israel and how God told them to put the praisers in front, and they did. And before they got to the battlefield, the Lord had already wrought the victory. The enemy had already been defeated and uh, all they had to do was show up on the battlefield and gather the spoils so the point is that if we will put that much emphasis on our praise and our worship i believe that the lord will go ahead of us and and defeat our enemies for us you know because he told the children of israel you're not going to have to fight this battle i will fight your battles for you and so that is the power of our worship and the power of our praise and and what it releases into our situation. All right, so here we go. Let's talk about some new things. Number four is this. Be quick to repent if you sin as sin can hinder your faith. I don't think that any of us would argue with that, that if we're practicing sin or living in sin, uh, you're going to have a difficult time getting your faith to work. Why is that? because you're you're dealing with or allowing sin to come in and uh, you know sin will will corrupt your faith it'll keep your faith from working like God wants it to work. I want to go over to first John chapter one and let's look at verses 5 through 10 first John chapter 1 verses 5 through 10. I'm going to read these five verses out of the uh, new King James and then I' Right before we we started tonight, I printed it from the Passion Translation because it it makes it a little clearer uh, because there's some things, if you read right through this and just gloss through it, you could potentially misunderstand. So let's look at this. Verse 1 of 1 John chapter 1 says this, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, this is very important because uh, if you're fellowshipping with God, you are going to be in the light. All right. Now, let me ask you a question. What does light do?
0: Brings wisdom and understanding.
1: Okay. Let me say it another way. You're you're heading down the right path. Light, if there's any darkness in any area of our lives light will expose it. Okay? So when we fellowship with God and God being light, if there's anything that needs to be changed in our lives or or any sin, his light will bring that to the forefront or bring that to the light so to speak. All right? So look at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Well, why is that? Because God is light. So if you're fellowshipping with God, it's going to be difficult, or let me say it another way, it's going to be impossible for you to live and walk in darkness. You're going to have one or the other, okay? So verse seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. And then verse eight, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So let's back up and let me uh, untangle a little bit of this. Verse seven says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you in your Bible uh, or whatever, in your notes, if you want to, make a little note there beside that verse that says this, unknown sin, okay? Now, you and I, we live in a flesh body. We live in a uh, broken, imperfect world, and there might be some things that we do that are wrong, and we're not necessarily uh, aware that it's wrong or that it's sin, Okay, And what this verse is saying is, if we walk in the light, in other words, if we are doing our best to obey God and walk in the light of his word to the very best of our ability, then the scripture says that uh, the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from sin that we do not know about. Okay, So if we have committed sin that we're not aware of, then the blood of Christ will automatically keep us clean from those things. So that's one area, but how many of you know, there might be sins that we don't know about, but there are also sins that we do know about, all right? So let's, let's go on and it says, if we say that we have no sin that we know about, okay? So I wanna make, uh, the reason I wanna clarify this is because I don't want anybody to misunderstand these scriptures to think that, that John is implying the old uh, phrase that people use that even as believers, we're old sinners saved by grace. You are not an old sinner saved by grace if you are given your heart to Christ, if you've been born again. If you're born again, you're born again. You're no longer a sinner. Now you might sin, but that doesn't make you a sinner, okay? So let me read this out of the Passion. This is the life-giving message we heard him share, and it's still ringing in our ears. Of course, the apostle John talking about when they walked the earth with the Lord Jesus. We now repeat his words to you, God is pure light. You will never find even a trace of darkness in him. If we claim that we share life with him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds Him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, continually cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. But if we, in in other words, if you stand up and declare you are perfect, then guess what? You're not aware of the truth. Okay, you'll be perfect when you get to heaven, but as long as we're living in this flesh and we're living in this world, uh, we have not arrived yet is what he's saying, all right? So if we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. But if we freely admit our sins, this is verse nine, when his light uncovers them, and I like the way the passion says that. So when you're fellowshipping with God, and his light throws light on sin, then what we need to do is um, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In verse 10, if we claim that we are not guilty of sin when God uncovers it, With his light, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So here's my point, and this is what John is telling us. For the unknown sins, if we're walking in the light of God's word that we have, the blood of Christ keeps us clean. But if walking with God in his light, it exposes and reveals sin in us, then the best thing we can do is to repent of that sin, ask God to forgive us, and then we're back under the blood of Jesus continually cleansing us from all sin and all unrighteousness. So the worst thing you can do though is when his light has revealed that sin to you is deny that that sin is there, okay? And so that's where, and the way that that happens is, is his light causes your spirit to convict you of that sin. And then you have the opportunity and the choice at that point to repent and to ask God to forgive you. And of course, the blood of Christ keeps you clean, cleanses you, and keeps you clean at that point. All right? So be quick to repent if you sin. Don't let sin linger. You know, I heard Brother Copeland say something, oh gosh, 40 years ago, and I've never forgotten it, 40 plus, and that is this, when you sin, don't run from God, run to him. Okay, and here's why: because when when we confess our sins to the Lord is not when He finds out about it. Okay, it's when we get rid of it. Okay, so He is aware uh, of when we miss it, when we sin. So you're not hiding anything from Him if you let it go days. And I know what we do: we we feel ashamed, we feel guilty, and that's the whole purpose behind uh, the devil bringing that temptation anyway, because He knows that if he can get you to sin, he, it keeps you under the burden of guilt and shame and it hinders your fellowship and relationship with the Lord. And so the quickest thing you can do, run to, or the best thing you can do is run to God, confess it to him and believe the word that says that when we do that with the right heart, he will forgive you and he will cleanse you. Now I'll say this to you, that doesn't mean your guilt goes away instantly but you have to believe by faith that you are forgiven and that guilt will eventually leave. Okay. All right. Now let's go on. And this one uh, is somewhat similar, but but very different in, in the sense of, I want to spend a lot of time talking about this tonight. And number five is this, be quick to forgive. So I want to encourage you and me to, to learn how to forgive other people quickly. So let's go over to the, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 11, and you know, the, our, our favorite faith scriptures, but let's read them all, okay? Not just have faith in God and speak into the mountain and then praying and, and believe that we receive the answer, but let's look at verse five or 25 rather excuse me mark 11 verse 25 and somebody tell me real quick what's the first word in verse 25 and 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 okay so if if that word and is there that means it's connected to what he just said in the previous sentences So he just got through telling us about how the faith of God works. He talked about how you could speak to the mountain and the mountain will be removed if you believe what you say will come to pass. He told us how to believe that we receive answers when we pray, but he didn't stop and miss a beat. He didn't take a breath. He said, and when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So let's spend some time tonight. I wanna talk about this in in understanding the power of forgiveness and and what it means for us as believers. And so we're gonna talk about this a little bit. I I have uh, taught on this a few times at the church, but uh, it doesn't do us any harm to hear it again. And uh, let's look at why did Jesus put this connection? He put a faith and a forgiveness connection together. And here's why is because if you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, forget your faith working. It's just that simple. And so I want to talk to you tonight about forgiveness because a lot of Christians, including myself for a long time, I had some misunderstanding where forgiveness is concerned, and so I want to talk about that a little bit. So if you're taking notes, or if you're looking at the notes that I have on the website, uh, there are three parts to forgiveness, okay? Three parts to forgiveness. The first one is having a heart of forgiveness, a heart of forgiveness, the second is the act of forgiveness and then the third part is restoration of the position in the relationship so you have the heart of forgiveness you have the act of forgiveness then you have restoration of the relationship now these are three different things, but yet what what we have done, and I have taught it incorrectly in the past, is we've put all those together and not really understood the difference between the three of them. So I want to point this out to you, and I'm going to let God be the one who demonstrates this for us. These three parts, the heart of forgiveness, the act of forgiveness, and then restoration of the relationship. Okay. So let's see how God operates in all of this, all right? So, go over with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And uh no, I tell you what, just go over to Romans chapter 5. Let's look there first. Romans chapter 5. Ephesians 432 just says this, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. Okay? Now that's past tense. God has already forgiven you. Can I say this to you? God has already forgiven you for sin you haven't yet committed. Amen. Okay? Thank God. Hallelujah. All right? Why? Because the price was paid by the Lord Jesus Christ once and for all. That's what we're going to see. Romans chapter 5. And verse 12, Romans 5, verse 12, Uh, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living, okay? The New Living Translation. It says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Now I want to stop and I want to say this, you know, that almost doesn't sound fair because I wasn't around in the garden of Eden. I didn't have anything to do with what Adam did. Adam did it because he wanted to do it, but because he did do it and he was the father of humanity, then what he did because of his sin and his disobedience to God is he brought sin and the price and the penalty of sin upon all humanity. Okay, I know it doesn't seem fair, but it's just the way that it is. Now, let's look at verse 18 in that same chapter, Romans chapter 5. It says this, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But the same way, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the same way Adam's sin brought sin upon everybody else. Look at this, Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Okay, Verse 18 in the New King James says that that righteousness, because of his act, righteousness became a free gift to all men. Now I wanna just point this out, okay? In the heart of God, He has already forgiven every human being. He's forgiven every man, woman, boy and girl that has ever lived and ever shall live. He in his heart has already forgiven them because Jesus has already paid the price once and for all for everyone. Aren't you glad that when you and I get saved or got saved, Jesus didn't have to come back down out of heaven climb back up on a cross, die again for you, and then have to repeat that every single time a person wanted to get saved. No, he did it once for all, and the price is it has been paid. So because of that, in God's heart, every person is already forgiven. Go over with me to Hebrews chapter seven, please. Hebrews chapter seven. Look at verse 27, Hebrews chapter seven and verse 27. And it says this, that Jesus does not need daily as the old high priest to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this, Jesus did once for all when he offered up himself. So again, the price has been paid for everyone. So in God's heart, the price has been paid, sin has been paid for. So in God's heart, people were, are already forgiven. Now I'm gonna use a phrase and I wanna say this, when Jesus died for us, He paid in full the sin debt, okay, uh, that we were incapable of paying. So when Jesus died for you and me, he paid the debt that we were incapable of paying. Now, I want you to remember that word debt, d-e-b-t, okay, debt, all right, because it's going to come up again, okay? Now... Colossians tells us, go over with me to the book of Colossians, please. We're looking at a few scriptures tonight, which that's okay. It's Bible study. Colossians chapter two. Colossians or Colossians? That's what I said, Colossians. Colossians. <laughs> My mind trying. was kind of going, oh, is
0: that a new no, book?
1: Sorry, Colossians. <laughs> Colossians chapter two. <laughs> I was just checking to see if you were paying attention, Alan.
0: <laughs>
1: you pass the test. All right. Verse 13, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Says this, and you me and me being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he is made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses verse 14 having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross let me read the new american standard bible to you of verse 14 well let me read both of them when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and He is taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So again, Our sin debt is paid. But here's what I want you to see. Those of us who are believers, it's not just our sin debt that was paid. Everybody's sin debt has been paid. Every person, every human being, their sin debt has been paid in full by the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So, that being said... So we see in the heart of God that he has already forgiven every person of their sin. But let me ask you a question. Does that mean everybody's automatically saved? No. No, of course not. Now, there are some that teach that, but that's error and, and it's false doctrine. Okay, Because even though in the heart of God, everybody has been forgiven, we all know that it takes something, an act on our part to enter into that, okay? So just, uh, if you want to make a note, First Timothy 2.4 says this, that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, okay? So in God's heart, and I'm building on this, in God's heart, everybody's already forgiven but that does not mean everybody is saved or born again. So what has to happen? The truth has to be presented to us that we are in need of a savior, okay? And then we have to do something. We have to acknowledge the truth that we are sinners, believe that what Jesus Jesus did for us, that he paid the price for us, we must repent and then receive the act of God's forgiveness, okay? Do you see what God did here? In his heart, he's already forgiven everybody, but that doesn't mean everybody's born again and in relationship with him. When people hear the truth and they repent of their sins and receive Christ and are born again, then they receive the act of God's forgiveness, their sin is wiped away, and then they're put in right relationship with God. That's what righteousness is all about, okay? So, and the scripture is very clear on what repentance is. Repentance is not just feeling sad because you sin. No, repentance is to change your mind and your purpose, to make a change. So so again, let me build this. So Jesus goes to the cross and in what he did for us, he purchased our forgiveness. So in God's heart for 2000 years now, every human being has already been forgiven. All right, so therefore, Jesus never has to go to the cross again. But every person that finds out the gospel and finds out the truth must repent, receive that truth, turn and then receive the act of forgiveness and enter into a right relationship with God. Okay, so you see the three parts there. You see God's heart of forgiveness, you see the act of forgiveness when when I repent, and then you see the restoration of right relationship. Okay, is everybody clear on that? Yes. Okay, all right, just want to make sure. So, how does God want us to operate in forgiveness? Okay, well, I want to be very specific on this so that we don't misunderstand. All right, let's go over to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 18. Let me, before we read this, let me ask, take a little poll here. Anybody ever been wronged before? In other words, somebody did something wrong to you?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. All
1: right. All right. I think we all can say yes. Okay. All right. So let's find out what is God's expectation of us when we are wronged. Okay. So in Matthew chapter 18, or let me say it to you a stronger way. What what is God's expectation of us when somebody sins against us or trespasses against us is using the old King James word, okay? Look at Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him. Uh, I've got the new living down here. Uh, let me read that. Just follow along in whatever translation you're reading. Okay. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And Peter just throws a number out there, seven times, seven times in verse 22, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven, 490 times in one day. That's a lot. Okay. Uh, You know, I've messed up, but I don't know that I've messed up 490 times in one day, but you get the point, all right? Therefore, Jesus goes on to say, therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Now I wanna ask you a question. When you borrow money from someone, you are what to them? In what? Debt. Debt, okay? Remember I said that word's gonna come up again. So, so Jesus is painting a picture This guy borrowed money from the king, so he is in debt to the king. He owes the king something. Verse 24, in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, huge debt. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity or compassion for him and he released him and forgave him his debt. Verse 28, but when the man who was forgiven left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened then the king called in the man that he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you. Now get, pay close attention to the details in this. This is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Mm. Okay? Now this is very important. So what is Jesus telling us? Is that no matter how we are wronged and the degree that we are wronged or somebody sins against us, we are to have a heart of forgiveness towards them okay now notice i said heart of forgiveness so what does that mean that means in my heart i have to forgive them now what does it mean to forgive it means in using this as a, a, a to define what we're talking about it means to forgive them of their debt now is does anybody remember in what we call the lord's prayer what jesus said in that prayer when he said father forgive us our
0: debts as we
1: forgive our debtors okay so debt is a great way to illustrate this and and i know with debt we automatically go to finances and that's good that's okay it helps you understand so When somebody sins against me, I feel like they owe me something. At minimum, they owe me an apology. They owe me, you know, I'm sorry. You know, if there was material uh, loss or whatever, they owe me uh, some type of compensation, whatever the case might be, just depending on the degree of the offense. But Jesus said, that we need to have a heart of forgiveness and in our heart we release them from that debt okay now i have taught and 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 again thank god for progressive revelation i have taught that forgiveness is where you just you know if somebody's wrong me i forgive them I totally wipe the slate clean. I pretend like nothing ever happened. I take on spiritual amnesia. And anytime I'm around them, I'm supposed to act like nothing's happened. Jesus never taught that. Okay? It's something that we have dreamed up because of a lack of understanding. Now, what is the progression? A heart of forgiveness, then the act of forgiveness, and then the restoration of the relationship. Okay? Don't forget that. So in your heart, what you have to do, here's the first thing you have to do, is in your heart, you begin forgiving them by releasing any ill will towards them and wishing them goodwill. That's what God did with us. Somebody tell me, when the shepherds were out in the field and the angels appeared to them on the night that Jesus was born, you remember what the angels said? Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, and what? Goodwill towards men. So knowing what was coming, God was already releasing goodwill to people. The angels declared it. Okay? So God was already posturing himself so he could forgive mankind, even though Jesus wouldn't die for another 33 years. Okay? So... In your heart, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to begin by forgiving them and releasing any ill will. What does that mean? I wish that something bad would happen to them because of what they did to me. I wish they would get what's coming to them. Okay? That is not godly thinking. That's human thinking, but that's not godly thinking. Okay? So here's number two. The next, next step is this with a heart of forgiveness, Mm -hmm. you release that person from owing you a debt to make things right between you. Okay. With a heart of forgiveness, you release that person from owing you a debt to make things right between you. All right. Uh, Everybody on here tonight that's saved, how many of you still had to go to a cross and die? None of us did. Why? Because God released the penalty from us. Aren't you glad? Okay. So with God's heart of forgiveness, he released us. We read the scripture that said that. He released us from the debt that we owed him. All right. All right. Let me, and here's, here's the key, a huge, huge key. Get this before you and I ever acknowledged him. He had already released us from that debt. So in his heart, he had already forgiven us. We read that the scripture says that. Okay. Now here's number three. You may have to repeat this many times. This might be something you do many times but do it until you have fully released the debt. Because here's what will happen. Uh, like I said, you don't get spiritual amnesia. So I guarantee, I promise you, the first time you encounter that person, either on social media, you see them in person, you hear their name, whatever, the first thing that's going to have an opportunity to pop up into your mind is what they did to you. And here's what you're going to have to do. Nope. In Jesus name, they don't owe me anything. I have forgiven them in my heart. They don't owe me an apology. They don't owe me compensation. They don't owe me. I have released them from that debt. I have forgiven them. Okay. Because again, we, you know, over time it gets easier, but uh, you don't forget. In other words, um, you. can I say it to you this way? You choose not to remember. There's a difference between that and forgiving. I mean, uh, forgetting. See, sometimes people think God's got dementia. He doesn't. All right. He chooses not to remember our sin. He says so in Isaiah. I will remember your sins and iniquities no more. Okay. All right. So. So then. All right. So as far as we're concerned and God's concerned, we have forgiven them. So in our heart, we have have a heart of forgiveness and we're doing what Jesus expects us to do. Even if it takes 490 times a day, that's what we're supposed to do, okay? Now, what about the act of forgiveness? Well, the act of forgiveness does not come into play Until that person repents of the wrong they did to you. All right. Here's the next thing. If and when they come to you and repent, then you extend to them the act of forgiveness and move towards restoring the relationship, the position of the relationship. See, here's what we, I have taught and, and other ministers have taught, and I think this is what we have believed, is that it, you have not forgiven them in your heart unless you are willing to put them into right relationship with you and pretend like it never happened. And Jesus never taught that. You do not do that until they repent. Jesus never expected us to put a sign on our back that says, kick me again. Okay. And this is where we have missed it. You know, I know what the scripture says. We'll turn the other cheek. Jesus wasn't talking about that. This that's a totally different subject that he was talking about has nothing to do with day-to-day forgiveness of other people. All right? So So how do I know, you know, let's say let's say the person that wronged me and sinned against me, they come and they ask me to forgive them and they repent. Well, how do I know that they have truly repented? Well, guess what? You will see it in their actions and in their fruit. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter three and verse eight, or actually John the the Baptist said this, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Okay. So in my heart, I've forgiven them. They don't owe me anything. But when they come to me and they ask me to forgive them, I'm not obligated at that point to totally restore the relationship. Okay, all right, are, are you following me? Okay, mm-hmm. all right, so when someone meets the qualifications in that they acknowledge the truth of what they did, they repent and show the fruits of that repentance then I must extend to them the act of forgiveness at that point and then work towards the restoration of the relationship. Because think about it, that's what God does for us. Even though in His heart, He's forgiven us. Man, what a terrible thing it would be for me to live my whole life and die and go to hell and find out I was forgiven the whole time. All I had to do was repent, receive my forgiveness and then make Christ the Lord of my life, and it all would be wiped away. Wouldn't that be terrible? Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. But that's the way we are supposed to operate where forgiveness is concerned. So Jesus' expectation of us is that when we are wronged, we forgive the person in our hearts, but we are not obligated to automatically embrace them, automatically say, oh, it's okay, and all this kind of stuff. No, if there is no repentance, you keep your distance. You love them, but you love them from afar, all right? God does not expect you and me to allow people to abuse us over and over and over again under the guise of forgiveness. That is not his expectation, okay? Now, we're supposed to do good to our enemies. We're supposed to uh, treat them the best that we possibly can because Jesus said that when you do that, you'll heap coals of fire on their head and hopefully bring them to repentance. But I want us to really, really understand this and how this works So, because the freeing part is in step one. The freeing part for you and me is when we release them of the debt that they owe. In other words, drop the expectation that you're going to hold out until they come and repent to you, because they may never come and repent to you. They may never come and ask for your forgiveness. Kathy, do you have a question?
0: Yeah. What if they don't know they sinned against you?
1: Well, the Bible says, Jesus said, if your brother offends you, go to him. Okay. So you can go to them if they're not aware and say, Hey, listen, I need to bring this to your attention. Well, if, if they don't acknowledge the truth and repent at that point, then yes, in your heart, you forgive them, but you're not obligated at at any point to continue to have fellowship with them at that point. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, because that is exactly the way God does with us. In his heart, he's already forgiven everybody, but we have to repent, acknowledge the truth, and then uh, surrender our lives to him. And the moment that we do that, the act of forgiveness is extended towards us, and we are put in right relationship with him. And then thank God for his mercy and grace. He gives us time to produce the fruit of that repentance. Okay. All right. Now so if they never repent and ask forgiveness then what you and i have to do is trust god with the outcome because here's what the bible teaches a man reaps what he sows now again you don't reap bad things you don't wish bad things on them but you put that in the hands of god and let god take care of that that's why he said in the scriptures that vengeance is his let him handle all of that all right you and your heart, let it go. Let that unforgive let that uh, that debt go and just put your put yourself in the position that they don't owe me anything. Barbara, did you have a question?
0: Yeah, I have heard that so many times where um, a person will tell you you need to go back to that person and um apologize for them hurting you. And I say, well, I have asked that person to forgive me, but then as time go on, pastor, you hear about different negativity thing that they're saying, and they know on their part that they was the one that started it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's again where you have to just maintain that heart of forgiveness and continue to let that go. And, and again, like I'm saying, let God deal with all that. Uh, right. Write a couple of scriptures down, just a couple of references. Uh, in Ephesians 4, 31, Paul said this, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. In other words, drop the desire for them to get theirs. Okay? And I know that's hard. You know, when we're wronged, you know, there it's human nature to want, to for somebody, you know, I hate to say it, but let me say it strong like this. For something bad to happen to them to pay back for what they did for you. But you can't allow mm-hmm. that to enter into your heart. That's where malice is. That's what malice is. I want them to get theirs for what they did for me. You got to let go of all of that. That's what what Paul said. Um, yeah, Pastor, this, yeah.
0: Uh, there is something that um, I, I do uh, in speaking to what Barbara said. Um, There's a scripture in the Bible, uh, I can't remember where it is, but it says, uh, I'm kind of maybe paraphrasing, it said, don't offend people and don't you be offended. So uh, what Barbara said, when that happens to me, I try to remember that scripture. You know, I I quote that scripture to me that I, I, you know, I'm not to be offended. And and that helps me to kind of get you know get over it over whatever is being talked about over here, and be able to get back with God you know as as fully as I can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But you I know,
0: like, to, can I tail on to that quick? Sure. Uh, a couple times it's happened to me where we were both wrong, and so I went. I
1: you mean you got, and the other party?
0: Right. God required of me since I was the more well, I was listening, I guess.
1: You were the longer
0: <laughs> older spiritually. Okay. And so I went and asked forgiveness uh <clears throat> for my part in the misunderstanding. And the other person was like, right, we received that. But they that, never acknowledged and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But so my thinking was, well, I've I've done my part of it. Uh, and so I'm okay with God. Yep. Uh, and then that that kind of makes a release in your heart, um, and and you can just let go of the other side of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you've done everything that you needed to do in the situation to make it right, and that's if both of you have wronged each other, you know. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you've done everything you know to do to make that situation right, uh, then. You're good. It's, that's up to them. Well, what is the old saying? Um, you, you can't always handle, or no, you're not responsible for their response. You're responsible for your response. And, and th- you know, that's the truth. And that is, you know, and again, if they never acknowledge it or own up to it, okay, that's between them and the Lord. And mm-hmm. I'm going to move on and just know that I did what I was supposed to do. You know, I have a situation or had a situation many, many years ago where uh, there was this couple that uh, had had really done me wrong. And, um, you know, I would occasionally bump into them and and see them at a restaurant or something. And uh, they pretended like I didn't exist. And, and um, you know, I finally came to grips with the, uh, the reality. I said, you know, if they're truly born again, and I'm truly born again, we're going to see each other in heaven a lot. So we might as well try and get along. So I invited them to dinner and took them out to dinner so that to try and make the situation right. Um, and basically what it cost me was a meal and some time to listen to them rant at what was, what I had done wrong. And, uh, so, you know, I said, okay, that's fine. And, you know, God bless you. I love you guys. And, uh, you know, I, have, I made up my mind, like, you, like you're saying, Judy, I did what I was supposed to do. I did what Jesus asked me to do and, and I'm done and, and it's, it's over. And I totally, you know, have in my heart and occasionally, you know, what's funny is that thing will come up and in my heart, I'll have to say, you know what? Those people don't owe me anything. I've released them of that debt. I have forgiven that debt. And in (coughs) Jesus' name, that's over, it's done. So what happens on their end is up to them, okay? And how they handle it with the Lord, that's up to them. And I just, you know, you have to put that in God's hands and let God take care of it and let God handle the justice in that. And I know we're in in culture right now, we, we hear a lot about justice But the fact of the matter is there's going to be some situations where you're not going to feel like you get justice and you got to let God handle that and just let let that be up to him. And he's going to take care of that. And whether you see it in this lifetime or not, that's that's none of your business. Leave that up to him. All right. So uh, have I made forgiveness clear for you? Yes. Yes, sir. All right, well that it's, it's very, very important because again, you can't afford to harbor unforgiveness in your heart if you want your faith to work. If you want your prayers, uh, the, the manifestation of your, the answers to your prayers to come to pass in your life, you cannot afford to harbor bitterness and unforgiveness. And here's something else and I'll say this and then we'll, we'll quit and we'll pick up here next week. Um, leave yourself available For the Holy Ghost to remind you if you have picked up something and you're harboring something in your heart, because it is very, very sneaky, okay? And there have been some situations, I mean, and I'm talking about things that happened years and years ago that, um, you know, I just... If I get the slightest inkling in my spirit that, that's, that there might be something there about that situation, I deal with it because I do not want that being something that hinders my faith and keeps my relationship from God, with God from being what it needs to be. And especially as a minister, I can't afford to have unforgiveness in my heart and short circuit the anointing on my life to be able to minister to other people. Because I have other people that are dependent on what God's doing, and, and I can't afford to mess that up. So the slightest thing, I mean, if there's anything that, you know, comes up in my heart, especially during times when I'm praying in the Spirit and, and giving the Holy Ghost an opportunity to bring revelation into my my thinking, if i if that comes up, hey, I deal with it right then. I don't care if it's something I've dealt with 10 times in the past. I'll deal with it again. And I'll say, no, in Jesus' name, I release that. They are forgiven of that. And I don't harbor anything in my heart towards that that individual. And I move on. But I always want to be sensitive for the Holy Spirit to be able to reveal that to me because He's my helper. That's what He wants to do. And He's doing it for my good and my benefit so that those things will not trip us up. And so I just encourage you to do that. Keep a tender heart towards him where forgiveness is concerned. And listen, I'll say this. I said, this is my third closing. Okay. Um, it might be something as silly. Now, and, and I know this seems silly, but it might be something as silly as somebody pulling out in front of you in traffic mm-hmm. at, at the right time. And it just catches you the wrong way and b- makes you mad. OK, and it's a good thing that our horn is not a gun, because I think all of us would probably be guilty of murder. Uh, but deal with that, you know, and I, I'm just as guilty as anybody. And I will, I'll, you know, after a period of time, I'll sit there, you know, a few minutes and I'll go, you know, for me being up so upset about that, that's the stupidest thing. And then, I, I, Lord, I forgive them, bless them, protect them, help them. And, uh, you know, and let it go. So little things like that, little foxes are what spoil the vines in our lives. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring
0: Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.